Joe, last time we uh, we talked about the song Hallelujah. We did, and uh, we talked about it hard. Yeah, we um, we we had some negative thoughts on how much it's used. I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I realized though that, as is so often the case with those who express uh, some negativity, uh-huh. uh huh, the haters are only hating uh, because they are envious because uh, they want what the what the objects of the hate have that's always true so um in this case we are the haters joe and i yeah. thought you oh, know God. we talked about how it's like <laughs> how it's like really easy pathos pathos that just everybody jumps for to throw hallelujah into anything so easy and then i realized well what has our podcast been lacking if not pathos so oh my god so <laughs> So, Joe, we need our own rendition of Hallelujah to, I think, really bring our podcast to the proverbial next level. Uh, I'm, I am struggling to refute this argument. I really want to, <laughs> but I, I can't think of anything. Well, my fate Joe, is sealed. The, the proof is in the pudding that you are about to eat, my friend. Um, oh, God. So prepare yourself. I'm, Here I'm not a, prepared. Here is I'm a not world prepared for your pudding. <laughs> well, I've been working on it for a long time. Uh, uh, here is a world exclusive new rendition of Hallelujah. World just, star hip hop. Just what everybody needed. <laughs> All right. Well, I heard there was a secret chord that David played. He's the one, but you don't really care for music, do you? Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof, her beauty and the Welcome to the Savage Beast Podcast. 
Uh, World star hip hop. <laughs> I'm, I'm Joe Gallagher, and I just got a preview of my own funeral uh, where <laughs> Paul McLeod will be playing that uh, while my other friends uh, grimace <laughs> and nod in. Well, the good news is they'll already be deaf from listening to that the first time, so... <laughs> Uh, were the neutral milk hotel or like the kind of weird, crazy distortion effects that popped in? Was uh-huh. the, was that an effect? That was that was intentional, right? That was the extra twenty minutes you had to wait for this podcast. Wow, yeah. wow, <laughs> it, it was worth it. it yeah, was worth it. I accidentally hit mute in the middle of there, trying to turn the volume down a little bit. Uh, but I think that'll just that'll just totally fit right in with the whole yeah, vibe. It, it so. adds to the uh, to the character. <laughs> Wow, well done. Yeah, uh, I think I well think done. that's the definitive version. No one ever needs to cover that song again. It certainly is the um, uh, the concluding version <laughs> of the song. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, toy piano. That's uh, that's really the instrument everybody was waiting Does for. Does the piano Does... play actual notes? Because it did sound like it. Oh, you'll you'll hear it. Not over Skype. It's not, it's, you know, it's really a a shitty xylophone that looks like a piano. Right. But, um, with keys. But yeah, the, the notes are discernible, if not clear and, um, good. (laughs) Uh, you know, I, I'm, I hope your children didn't listen to you recording that because they, uh, you know, (laughs) they would be crying. With all the pathos, they yes, were feeling. yes, yes, of course, <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> wow, uh, I don't know where to go from there. I think Joe, we need to go to. Well, should we should we talk about uh, another amateur recording, or should we give people a break with some like you know professional music that doesn't tug their heartstrings quite so hard? <laughs> That's a good in the question. Meantime? Let's let's keep it going with the amateur recordings. Okay. Um, uh, we have. Uh, if you remember two episodes ago, uh, we listened to my uh, uh, not a freestyle freestyle uh, Shorty Towers, uh, which was addressed to my friend Shorty. Uh, he has now responded uh, with another rap that is uh, uh, not so is more broadly laudatory of my entire group of college friends. Ah, uh, nice. And uh, is is dedicated to me uh, in spirit. Uh, okay. But in substance, well, it's more dedicated to Steel Reserve Malt Liquor. <laughs> give us, give us the uh, the author and title here, Joe. Uh, the author is Doctor Shorty Four Twenty, uh, and the title is Society. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you that I'm feeling like a million bucks So if you hate that I'm great, then you're out of luck Whatever you say, I just don't give a fuck Gotta tell you about society At this point, they're really just a part of me Brotherly love and camaraderie Just another part of my family tree It all started back in college We were 
working on her knowledge. Ecstasy, LSD, these were new to me. Wasn't long till things grew. Soon enough we were a group. Friends like these, far and few. It all ended in a flash. How could time go by so fast? But it turned out that the good times they would last. You know society can battle the weather. All that really matters is we do it together. 211 still reserve, drink it till you get served. 211 still reserve, drink it till you get served. 211 still reserve, drink it till you get served. Society, society, society. 211 still reserve, drink it till you get served. 211 still reserve, drink it till you get served. 211 still reserve, drink it till you get served. Society, society, society. We got doctors, we got dentists, ones in jail serving sentence. Got some keepers and more meepers. I think someone's selling sneakers and it for her. I don't think we do any of those things, actually. <laughs> oh shit, short fucked it up, but I do know that you has got a badass truck. A yellow and you would never eat a duck. Whatever you say, we just don't give a fuck. Now society getting white ladies. Next thing you know, we getting dogs with no rabies. Proud of those who be making them babies. Fuck the suburbs, we don't need no Mercedes. But we gotta take the time to say. Gotta take a time out to thank QA We would not be where we are today Mad respect for the founder, Sai Tei 211 still reserve, drink it till you get served 211 still reserve, drink it till you get served 211 still reserve, drink it till you get served Society, society, society 211 still reserve, drink it till you get served 211 still reserve, drink it till you get served 211 still reserve, drink it till you get served Society, society, society. I think I wow. should have. I think I should have set that song up more by saying uh, the MC is a uh, about five eight uh, sinewy. Polish man living in Wheaton, Maryland, as he says <laughs> at the beginning. Uh, it's just, uh, it's sort of the um, last person you would expect to uh, be a masterful producer. Uh, Wait, did he produce that track himself? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was going to be impressed if that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, no. Joe, I don't want to say anything bad about Shorty, who's a been a fine man the time i met him um but uh you uh i think you put a lot more work into your rhyme schemes i have to say yeah i feel like shorty crushed me the last time we exchanged uh saw uh tracks in like 2012 uh, mm-hmm. but this time i think i may have gotten the best of him uh, <laughs> but he too re- bad you weren't crushing each other this time but it's true it's true blowing each other uh, up. but he always has the better choruses uh, you know, he really pays attention to that part. And I, I just can't, I can't get into that. I should. It's an underrated uh, part of, um, I don't know, this style of rap. I don't know yeah. what you call it. But I know thinking. what you're saying. I'm not, I can't think of hooks either, personally. Yeah, yeah. Being able to think of a hook for a rap song is a, a pretty special talent. You're, uh, you're like uh, Pusha T, Joe. You, you don't sing hooks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, Pusha T and me have so much in common. It, I just it, can't even describe it. 
that is about one of the many respects in which you are virtually identical. Yeah, we both kind of are like well known for like one career, but like we really make most of our money selling drugs. I think that's kind of the main way that we are in common. Yeah. Also, you have a brother who um, was uh, in both of your careers with you, but then he became a born again Christian and uh, doesn't do either one now. Yeah. He, now he hangs out with Mace. <laughs> I don't know. I think Mace may have like renounced religion once again now. I, I can't oh, keep track. Man. Um, well, once your name is in the good book, it can't be taken out. So he's all good. Um, according to the Baptists, anyway. Um, all right. So uh, <laughs> enough amateur hour, I say. Um, uh, yes. Wow. Thank you all for <laughs> listening. It's good to be able to play an entire track. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, Two whole tracks uh yeah yeah that uh no copyright restrictions whatsoever uh, uh, i might have to pay royalties to fucking leonard cohen now i don't know you may you may he's gonna show up at your door uh and, and now- shoot me in the fucking face <laughs> he just will stay in your house and not leave until you pay him fifty thousand dollars like it's like he's really pleasant but he's just there all the time <laughs> i i would pay that would work yeah um for sure um (laughs) i I do have to give a shout out to steel reserve great malt liquor (laughs) i don't know if i've ever drunk it uh but i imagine i imagine it is no better or worse than any of the other god-awful it's better than definitely definitely and uh the um what's the one called mad dog mad oh no no mad dog is hobo wine that shit is foul. <laughs> oh my god, Mad oh, Dog man. is awful. That's we like ha- you get like berry. It's like comes in like a flask shaped bottle, but it's like berry flavored wine. <laughs> oh god, that sounds awful. We have this huge riverbed that's drying ninety eight percent of the time here in the desert, and uh-huh. uh, they built walkways along it that are paved. So one time, my now wife and some a couple friends and I for some reason decided it would be fun to buy a 40 each and walk that path. And we did. And that's how I ended up with only one kidney. Ha. Uh, no, I don't know. Um, that that would be great if you literally, that that was true. I would, I would believe it. (laughs) Anyway. Um, so Joe, which of the many albums we want to discuss today, shall we discuss first? Well, you know, today uh, is um, uh, Weezer's Pinkerton is 20 years and one day old. Wow. Uh, today is uh, Sunday, September 25th, 2016. Um, and yeah, Pinkerton came out uh, 20 years ago uh, on a Tuesday, back when records came out on a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. <laughs> um, what Enough channel amateur was the, hour. Yeah. <laughs> what channel was the parade on? Uh, wait what (laughs) (laughs) there was no pinkerton 20th anniversary parade there was not there was Ah. uh they couldn't get rivers to uh commit still underappreciated all these years later this true album true um there was no nevermind parade either for its 25th anniversary so wait did that did that already pass i thought that came out later in the year no i think i think they just had it that's why they um everyone's retweeting the picture of the dude on the cover once again 
Oh, I haven't. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. I haven't been on Twitter the past couple of days, so then I would know it, I guess. Yes, because uh, we actually retweeted it. Oh, <laughs> nice. Um, God bless that kid and his tiny flaccid penis. Well, the, the, the point was, be, was made on Twitter that he will be um, forced <laughs> to take an underwater picture every five years until he dies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 7-Up, but horrifying. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, um, is he now older than Kurt Cobain was when Kurt Cobain died? I guess no, I maybe believe, close to it. Yeah, Kurt Cobain was in his late 20s. Twi- he was 26. like 27. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I think he was another year of 27 rock star, but I could be wrong right. about that. I believe so. Um, okay, so Pinkerton came out um, uh, 20 years ago. Uh, one of my favorite albums. Mm-hmm. Um, a fantastic, fantastic album. Uh, probably one of the best songwriters of the 90s at the absolute peak of his powers, uh, mm-hmm. produced in the sort of strangely adverse circumstances that uh, create a great album with a slowly fra- fracturing band of uh, men in their mid-20s uh, and uh, a intensely geeky uh lyrical i guess thematic bass with uh rivers having uh created the album um much of the album based on his experiences of his freshman year at harvard uh where he attended after he'd gone on the tour for the blue album um and also uh full of the fragments of a uh rock opera called songs from the black hole that was initially meant to be (laughs) uh weezer's uh, second album, but um, was uh, superseded by the um, emotionally draining experience of being a rock star at an Ivy League school uh, <laughs> when you're just as big a freak as Rivers. How How is it possible that in the last 20 years of wanking around, Rivers has not actually produced this uh, lost rock opera? Well, I mean, it's sort of many, many bits and pieces of it have come out, um, oh, okay. like Rivers demos, uh, uh, his demo CDs have come out. Um, you know, the Pinkerton special uh, edition had parts of it on there, um, but I, I think that um, it's lost in that, like, it to complete the project. Um, like the second half of it would need to be written. I just, I can't believe that his self-indulgence has not extended to that. (laughs) Maybe it will one day, Brian Wilson style. (laughs) And it won't be the thing that everybody was waiting for. Like it was in that case. Right. Um, Yeah, it is a great album, Joe. I absolutely agree. And uh, it's actually my favorite Weezer album, which I believe is not the case for you. Uh, I don't know. I mean, well, oh, really? uh, that's an interesting way to, Paul, you had a good way of, um, yeah. Uh, posing this question. Yeah. Why and you, why don't you explain it to our, uh, ignorant audience? All right. So both the first two Weezer albums are 10 tracks long. Mm-hmm. I'm not making that up. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so if you made one 10 track album out of the two, how many, uh, how many Pinkerton songs and Blue Album songs, it's the same 
question asked uh, two different ways, uh, would make that list. And uh, obviously, that's not definitive because you mm-hmm. know some songs could be way better, yet the quantity could be the same. But adding it up, I think. I think five is where I would probably end up. I might fit a sixth in from Pinkerton, but it's sort of a coin flip either way. Got it. Yeah. The, um, the five I would choose for sure are Tired of Sex, then I'm skipping the next three, then Across the Sea, The Good Life, and El Scorcho is actually, I just realized what an awesome three song sequence that is. Dude, it's like, it's so good. Yeah, it's, that's that's ridiculous. It's challenged. I mean, like, really, it's only challenged by um, the uh, Soma Geek USA mayonnaise progression yeah. in in my personal pantheon. Yeah, that's that's a really really great sequence too. I yeah. I'd have to look through Radiohead albums and find whatever their best sequences. Although I usually feel like they alternate my favorite tracks around tracks that aren't my favorite. But yeah that's not even a point because I haven't even actually thought about it anyway. Uh, and then falling for you is definitely making the list. Yeah. I, I could maybe fit butterfly in there as the sixth, just because I appreciate that being the one, um, the one like just really dark singer songwriter, slacker acoustic mm-hmm. anthem. Um, just the way the whole point is, well, I'm an asshole. And uh, I guess he does apologize for it, but he <laughs> makes no effort to make amends. I was reading for it. <laughs> an interesting. I was reading the oral history of Pinkerton, which only Matt Sharp was the only like band member who participated in it. But it was interesting. Mm-hmm. It seemed to imply that uh, Butterfly was recorded basically without the rest of the band's knowledge. <laughs> which is, I mean, I would believe it. <laughs> yeah, really interesting. Um, nice. Yeah, um, and this album is really very. Of all the Weezer albums, this one is extremely rivers forward. Yes. Uh, this one is the one that is clearly just like, this is me being sad about being myself. Yeah. And uh, that said, the playing of uh, the rhythm section especially is awesome on this album. Overdriven and drums. Yes. And Dave Fridman uh, is, this is among his finest work. I love the sound of this album yes. completely. Um, so I thought about your question, uh, about, um, if I was combining the blue album and Pinkerton, like mm-hmm. how many Pinkerton songs would I pick? Um, and the answer came to me tonight. Uh, it's, uh, all 10. <laughs> um, I know why you're going to say that is, but go ahead. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I'm going to pick all of Pinkerton. Um, the songs for both albums are great. They're both great albums. Uh, some of my favorites, um, but I think this album is kind of the ultimate uh, thesis, and that's Harvard pun intended, of alternative hmm. rock. And I think there's 10 times more to listen to in ah. each of these songs. Um, a- as much as, like, um, you know, no one else is just a fucking uh, great, fun party jam to sing along to, uh, mm-hmm. something like No Other One is i mean even 20 years later you can listen to it and pick up on um you know fantastic uh details of writing playing production um uh it's just and it's a better album like overall pinkerton is uh a beautiful cohesive whole uh um i can't it's so hard for me to 
to betray all my blue album loves, <laughs> but it's clearly um, fantastic. It's clearly, <laughs> it's clearly fantastic. I mean, it's clearly um, you know one of the most important albums from my favorite era of music. So uh, I would just pick Pinkerton over the blue album. Damn, I had no idea you were going to say that. Um, <laughs> Well, I, uh, what, did, what was your reason? Why did you think I was going to say it? <laughs> I just thought that everything, I just recall you saying things. I have the impression that you just like the blue album better from being your friend for the past 20 years. There you go. Um, but um, uh, I kind of agree with you. I mean, it's true that the, and either one of the actual albums would be a better album experience than some weird mashup of the two. Yeah. Um, whatever you think of their, the merits of the songs. Um, uh, I'll say this, just uh, moving beyond the question of which is better um, a little bit. uh, There's um, what's interesting to me is that I think you could make a pretty good case that the blue album is like better pop songs, like just better songwriting generally in terms of, you know, just pure pop structure and everything. Um, But uh, the, the the just you know emotional terror that rivers brings to his performance and then the production that match that so well uh make pinkerton uh you know my favorite of the two albums uh pretty clearly so uh score one for punk energy i guess yeah there's there's a tension there um where a lot of these tracks uh feature the band as a whole kind of fucking around while rivers sings his fucking heart out Um, yeah i I think you know a lot of the little like falsetto touches that matt sharp adds um and there's the end of like el scorcho where the band seems to be kind of falling apart singing Mm -hmm. about and you know rivers is like recommitting 10 times over to the chorus for the second second time through um yeah it's just um uh, this don't give a fuck slacker vibe combined with an absolute certainty of purpose uh, that I think makes it uh, such an awesome representation of 90s alternative rock. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think yeah. we have uh, yeah we have covered Pinkerton. That is, uh, it's a great album. I do want to say that I was listening to it this for this. Um, uh, episode i i re-listened to it uh one more time uh and uh get you uh the second track really caught me as um for its ability to seamlessly slide from like 70s stadium cheese into 90s angst like power chord <laughs> rock uh it's quite an accomplishment yeah that song is weird um i like i said the tracks two three and four don't stick with me as much which is why i skipped over them uh somewhat but uh they definitely have their sort of weird strange merits uh, well they're older songs too those oh, really? are those are the three oldest songs on the album that kind of come from the era of the blue album got it that makes sense just yeah. just tweaked out on fridman yep. um cool all right well let's talk about some newer music joe let's do it would you rather have uh, the uh, the soothing sounds of Hamilton Lighthouser and Rostam or the uh, exactly the opposite of soothing sounds of preoccupations? Let's talk about preoccupations. I'm preoccupied right. with it. Yeah. So this is a band 
uh, with a name that I, as a person who frequently suffers from uh, bouts of distraction, find very offensive. Um, <laughs> and I think they should change it. Yes. Yes, I agree completely. Um, but uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe they're secretly uh, preoccupied as well. And so it's, uh, it's they're allowed to use the word. I don't know. Um, anyway, um, uh, I say we listen to the final track from the album, Joe. How does that strike you? Okay, yes. Fever by Preoccupations, the last track on their uh, second self-titled album, but it's a different title because their self is now uh, with a different title, uh, also called Preoccupations. Um, so yeah, Joe, were you a fan of uh, Preoccupations' Nay Viet Cong before this? Uh, I can't, honestly, I can't answer that question. Uh, I listened to Viet Cong a few times uh, and sort of... Um, uh, approved without comment. <laughs> Fair enough. I, uh, I dug their first album because, um, pretty much for the exact same reasons I like the second album, because, uh, they sound pretty similar. I listened to them back to back today and I think you could probably, uh, do what we just said you can't really do with Weezer and mix the songs around and you probably wouldn't notice too much. But, um, uh, just that sort of, um, combination of uh screechy lo-fi 80s new wave it's really just 80s you know uh post-punk uh new wave type stuff Mm -hmm. and um i think the lyrics might be ridiculous but i haven't read them (laughs) the bits that i have heard are things like uh our consciousness is intolerable which is i mean as uh as post-punk lyrics go that actually you know it at least is a trope that has been used before um but uh i don't know um maybe not the most original thing but i just really like the uh the way they do it it's a uh, good songwriting and we didn't even get to m- the chorus of that last song which is um i think really effective um uh, so yeah i don't know how do you feel about preoccupation yeah now? so um, i i listened to this album today uh it's fresh in my mind uh, i was cruising back from uh uh an afternoon on mount hood uh which is sort of um the uh pointy phallus of the portland metro area um uh, everyone 
you know, takes a ride up it once, once or twice. Um, uh, and I have to say that if you asked me uh, to meet you at a town uh, that was halfway between the uh, kind of 80s Depeche Mode synth revival and uh, Interpol, I uh-huh. would be uh, not so interested. I would suggest <laughs> a different location, uh, especially with the lead singer who is um, obviously a fan of Ian Curtis. Uh, yes. I. Um, it, this is not uh, kind of my uh, wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, that being said, uh, there is a, a 11 minute long song on here called Memory uh, that mm-hmm. kind of fades into this other song called Degraded. There's some weirdness on this album uh, that I groove with. Uh, mm-hmm. I think when they kind of leave their pop instincts and really just kind of get weird, mm-hmm. uh, I uh, am interested in this band um Hmm. so i i this it's it's fine it's fine yeah all right well i definitely like it better than that and that's funny because i think i like the pop parts more than the weirder parts especially like the the back half of that 11 minute long track i find sort of bland and doesn't really do anything for me but um that's interesting uh he does definitely sound like uh, an Interpol Ian Curtis type of singer, but I think he's better at singing than either of them. And both of them are so much better than Ian Curtis. Well, it's ridiculous okay, because fair enough. <laughs> Ian Curtis is the actual worst singer of all time. Um, True. But- whereas they just have sort of a flat bellow that uh, is effective for me, despite you know, not being objectively good singing. I think something I could, how I could describe this band is that if I went and saw them live, I'd be kind of bored. Really? I, th- I bet I, they would be pretty awesome. I, I think that's my thing. And I, I don't think they would be playing badly. I mm-hmm. would just personally be bored. <laughs> I, uh, I could sit there and, uh, you know, I don't think I would, um, I would, uh, be jumping up and down. Uh, yeah. But um, I think I could sit there and groove on their uh, abrasive weirdness. So, um, yeah, I think we've given our preoccupations takes, Joe. Okay, Paul, I had a dream that you were mine. <laughs> did you have it a thousand times, Joe? I did. I did. Excellent. Uh, uh, and that's, why, that the- that's why I had to see a dermatologist about the chafing. <laughs> I wonder how many strokes there are in the average masturbation, Joe. Um, Holy shit. <laughs> just blew my mind with that question. That's something, you know, 538 doesn't address <laughs> the important questions on their site. Or, you know, there's that guy on Reddit who cataloged his every J.O. session for, like, the past five years. Yeah, and they, weren't they, like, freakishly long? Some he 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 had the the duration distribution, and there were some that were like three hours or some shit. That is just like, like don't you need to eat or <laughs> don't you, you watch TV? Doing? Like yeah, just just come, man. Yeah, like you know, there, there's you, you know you'll be able to do it again. <laughs> In fact, you'll be able to do it again before that three hour period is up if you really care to. 
Um, but wow. uh, <laughs> yeah, I this is just inefficient jacking off is all I can say. Um, anyway, I don't think there are any masturbation references explicitly on uh, Hamilton and Rostam's uh, A Thousand Times, which we're about to listen to. Yeah. Uh, not like that St. Vincent song where she talks about taking out the trash and masturbating. I don't remember that, but a, I believe it's a you. Quality, quality line. <laughs> that's that's a future podcast, actually. Joe is uh, songs that talk about jerking off. So oh, we got that'd be a good good podcast. We got the Weezer song uh, "Wrestle with Jimmy." Oh yeah, um, St. Vincent. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of those. Suf- we are just talking about yeah. Sufjan's album. Yep, yep, yep. That's what I was thinking of. Yep. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, probably this is such a good idea. There are like 50 episodes. Of course, like Longview already... is the classic masturbation of song course, of, of our course. generation. <laughs> uh, actually, in that song, when I was singing along to it as a, a 12-year-old with my 10-year-old friend, uh, I remember that us singing... Uh, uh, masturbation as mass migration and even at the time being like I don't think that's what he's saying oh well <laughs> I mean Joe eventually you get sick of moving you know settling out the west it's lost it's fun yeah it's probably a much darker song <laughs> if it's about your fucking the migrations of you know uh, refugees exactly you know it's previewed the current syrian crisis um uh, we can have a I, yeah we need to talk someday about how i think longview is a fucking amazing song uh it is a great song today is not the day no here we go with uh hamilton and rostam okay i had a dream that you were mine i've had that dream a thousand times a thousand times a thousand times i've had that dream a thousand times singer so good he's ridiculous uh that's my word for the podcast i'm not gonna try not to say it again anyway um i love the way he launches into that chorus so much yeah great (laughs) what is it i mean like it's weird he's not the only one who does this of course but that ability to both um have your voice sound scratchy and rough as fuck and also sing a good melody in tune is mm. really strange and i don't mm-hmm. know how it works but yeah uh, he's he's a master of it yeah it's definitely a a, a quality 
um i would just it's it's an artistic ability it's it's uh, the ability it's an impressionistic skill uh, yeah that it compares to the ability to kind of paint um a flower very you know roughly and abstractly and somehow capture its essence more purely than someone who had perfectly replicated it wow that's a that's a good comparison joe yeah thank you did you prepare that i did not it just wow. occurred to me right now that's just like spontaneous uh critical gems dropping from your mouth yeah i want to thank um rogue seven hop ipa uh <laughs> it's uh 7.77 abv but oh wow it's uh it's delicious nice and it, i uh i ran out of beer tonight so god damn yeah. well i'm about to go on a trip so yeah um and the kids will get into the beer if i leave it here so yeah yeah um yeah so uh that song is awesome i mm-hmm. love it that mm-hmm. was the first single and when i heard it i was just like ah oh, this is great it's also arguably uh indistinguishable from uh the walkman songs um mm-hmm. later <laughs> walkman it's, yeah it's very similar yeah which the like walkman little like rostam touches here and there yeah exactly um the walkman had a long career where people kind of stopped caring about them and then they broke up but um neither of those two things should have happened because their last four albums are just as good as their first yep and uh uh in fact arguably better the first one had a couple huge singles but i don't remember too many of the other songs that frequently or the second album is what i'm thinking of um but still uh they're great and uh so i was psyched to be getting more music from hamilton lighthouser um, but while I liked the rest of the album, I don't really feel like much of it hit the heights of that first song. How did you feel about it? So what I would say is that uh, their collaboration really lives up um, to the billing as a great uh, pairing of a, I guess Rostam is a multi-instrumentalist and producer. Yeah, he seems like just mystical music generation device. Yeah. Of, you know, whatever sounds you want or that's not the way it is right. but he he can he can make sounds in lots of different uh uh fields of indie music pairing of yeah right so it's a pairing of him and this great um uh you know lead singer and lyricist um mm-hmm. and uh i would um say the album is very good and i was gonna ding them for the songwriting being good but not great yeah uh, and i think that happens on a lot of albums like this um uh i know there's a band uh, called middle brother uh that <laughs> combines the lead singers from uh several uh good bands um i'm gonna look it up right now because i feel stupid for not remembering who they are but like they're um uh, it's from deer tick dawes and delta spirit and it's like you combine these. I don't great... know any of those bands you just said. You don't like. Ahead. I thought you liked Deer Tick. I like Deer Hoof. Oh yes. Uh, <laughs> my God, so many deers. Um, <laughs> deer Hunter. Uh, and deer then they tick, all get eaten by hoof. the wolf bands. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, there's a lot of these bands that um, you know come together, and they bring uh, some really cool uh, vibes but mm-hmm. they don't bring the top-notch 
uh, songwriting. Yeah. Um, Volcano Choir is another one uh, who only managed to write like um, uh, uh, one good song per album. <laughs> um, I never listened to Volcano Choir, so what? They, and you man. just talked me out of it. Dude, you got no, no, no. Hold up, you got to listen to their best songs. Okay. It's like it's like Bonavere. Like if Bonavere didn't get super weird. Uh huh. Which I like the weird Bonavere. Um, but yeah. Oh, it is actually Justin Vernon. It is. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's it's him being less weird. I see. I see. Um, I think I I think I probably listened to this when it came out and was like meh. Right, because each album only has one good song, but the song, the one good song is awesome. Um, so anyway, yeah, this is good. I'm gonna listen to it again. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it might grow on me, but I had the same impression you did, which is like, why is there so much literal shoe bopping on this album? Um, which isn't bad, but I didn't feel like, oh, they really resurrected the shabop after 60 years <laughs> in the wilderness. Um, wow. <laughs> um, it just seemed like uh, an affected touch that didn't do a whole lot um, uh, so yeah um, I agree with you this was uh, uh, one great single and uh, some other stuff that needed uh, a little more chemistry or workshopping or something but um, I don't know if they do it again maybe they'll get better together yeah, it's it's one of those things where um, you come to appreciate the um, the concept of the band mm-hmm. that you wanted this to be less of like two guys jamming and like a band with a purpose and a mission. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You wanted. I assumed for some reason optimistically that they came together because they found that they were just like they were the they were perfect songwriting partners and really it sounds more like hey i play instruments you sing let's uh let's bang out an album here i i still want to say that like all this being said it's still like one of my favorite albums i've listened to this year i really enjoyed it yeah Uh, i wouldn't i I wouldn't put it on that list but it was very pleasant the expectations were so high yeah that's true Uh, that's very true we're not i mean we're suddenly uh when it rains it pours uh, it rains cats and dogs. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to link one more uh, mixed metaphor there, but I could not. Um, uh, we have new local natives to discuss, new oh, war yeah. paint to discuss. My God. Uh, just everything at once. So uh, we will get to those uh, other albums. Um, I, I want Paul to listen to the new Level Up album. Yeah, I need uh, to do that. I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, good music. Good music here in the fall. Absolutely. So, yeah, you're... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, if I had never heard of either of these two guys and this album was just like, here's the new album by, you know, Scorpion Kick, um, I would have uh, I would have been like, hey, that's pretty good. I don't know if I love it, but, you know, that's that's a solid <laughs> debut album. Now I'm going to call these guys Scorpion Kick from now on. <laughs> That's the best I could do, literally making that up. It reminds me of of, uh, uh, Captain Murphy being stung by the scorpion (laughs) with drinking bebop cola. It's actually a soccer technique, for what it's worth. Um, Yes, true. (laughs) That thing where you do the full flip? No, that's a bicycle kick. This is, 
you're still facing forward, but you raise one leg up behind you like a scorpion's tail and kick the ball as it comes to you that way. In the ah, air. got it. Okay. Yeah. So it's actually even harder than a bicycle kick. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, Paul, let's you, talk about more you, soccer stuff. Would no. you make out with Ronaldo? No, he's too much of a tool, and I don't think he would call me afterwards. Yeah, that's um, a good point. Yeah, he, he is. Would, it's the emotional impact that would be uh, <laughs> too much. Um, if his bronze statue on the island of Madeira, where he's from, is any indication, he has a giant schlong, though. So, interesting. Um, yeah, you should you should look that statue up. It's amazing how much the artist just said, "Yeah, I'm going to do this." <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Nothing like a bronze schlong. Yeah, on an already eight-foot-tall statue or whatever. Yeah. Um, who? There are a lot of good-looking soccer players. I'd probably make out with Aaron Ramsey, who you've probably never heard of. Mm. But Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, also, there's a good Deadspin article uh, that's taking down the, artic- the idea that Cristiano Ronaldo is the hottest male athlete. So, um, huh. yeah. With a, this is a great. Uh, it's a. Gr- this is a great thing where I like get to like suggest that you want to make out with Ronaldo, and I'm like, I'm more of a hope solo man myself. <laughs> Burn. Um, yeah. Uh, who do I like? Uh, no, we're not going to do that conversation. All right. Um, <laughs> the problem is Hope Solo would get drunk and beat you up, Joe. Yeah, that actually to... is the problem. I, I, I am terrified of her. I would run the other way if I saw her. Uh, in any circumstance yeah i mean she'd probably be brandishing a 40 in each hand as you saw her but um uh, wow edward oh man (laughs) hands you know that she has at one point gotten all her friends to uh while she plays edward 40 hands try to score penalty kicks on her oh yes that is a hundred percent (laughs) true wow and just just malt 40 liquor spilling everywhere yeah she's drinking she's diving uh she's people are crying um but it it has happened i like that you just said malt 40 liquor yeah you know i i am an adult who drinks alcohol pops sometime (laughs) and uh i know what malt 40 liquors are that's very uh vincent adult men of you (laughs) exactly uh wow what a segue joe that was fucking amazing what yes we wanted to talk about bojack for this episode wow um, we did not plan that we did not <laughs> i did a port meeting at business today <laughs> uh, the funny yeah. thing is i don't remember why we wanted to talk about bojack <laughs> well i said that the newspaper episode was really good and you said you somehow that prompted you maybe there were some mm-hmm. steps in between to say something about a particularly good use of music on that song on that show how drunk was i i don't i think it was during the day so only so pretty drunk <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so in lieu of a, either of us having a fucking point i will say that uh uh that might be my favorite theme song of all time the opening credits by whichever one it is of the two guys from the Black Keys mm-hmm. is a bang and beat. I uh, I love the saxophone in it, 
and the drums are great and yeah uh, and i mean and then bojack's they're absolutely skillful manipulation of dropping the um uh ending theme by group love which is mm-hmm. a um I'll call it an ironic mockery of a 90s sitcom theme song it's an indie rock-sized version of that maybe yeah um it sounds a lot like sort of i don't know uh bony Vare trying to do that type of thing yeah um and then the occasional replacement of that which with um some amazing songs mm-hmm. uh uh kevin morby's parade shows up in a second season uh which also that season ends with using courtney barnett's avant gardner mm. and uh, of course this season ends well you haven't seen it yet have you I've no, I haven't seen the end of the season, but I have seen the episode where we get uh, Sextina Aquafina's uh, abortion rap song uh, at the end of what episode? Yes, which is um, <laughs> a truly horrifying song. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but I, I think that the the reason I would talk about it is that um, you know, there's this we're at this juncture where TV is so good that it's becoming um you know a higher form of art Mm -hmm. uh in many ways i think bojack is actually kind of at the forefront of that Mm -hmm. um and that draws in music um in a a new way I, i think in a way that music was sort of used um in a machine gun spray style in movies Mm-hmm. Uh, it's being used much more uh, sniper rifle style in these TV shows, uh, much more uh, precise and integral to the uh, actual, to the, to the, I don't know what you call it, artistic moment that's happening. Yeah. And I think part of the reason for that is that, um, uh, you know, back in the 90s soundtrack heyday, uh, the the indie bands, uh, first of all, the fear of selling out was at an all-time high on the indie circuit. So actual good music was uh, not as available for, uh, u- <coughs> for use in movies and everything. True. Um, whereas now, when we have successfully made it impossible for an artist to make any money selling uh, music directly to fans. This is... <laughs> We're number one. We're number one. Well, this, is now, uh, this is now the only way for a small indie band to uh, not have to do a job as uh, an accountant on the side. So uh, uh, I think the stigma of selling your music to at least a quality movie or TV show has largely gone away for indie bands. Um, so, uh, I think that in turn allows, uh, uh, clever, good people making, uh, good shows like, uh, like Bojack to have access to a lot better music. And, um, uh, then at the same time, you also just have the splintering of taste where, uh, nobody is any longer expecting everyone in the world to like the latest Aerosmith single. So, um, you can get away with, uh, filling your song with sort of weird offbeat stuff a little bit more filling your tv show i mean 
Yeah, um, that's uh, that's interesting. Um, hold on, I just pulled the headphone cable out of my ear earphones. Mm, I'm t- calling you a bitch right now, you little bitch, Joe. I heard that. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's a, it's an interesting thing that that you know there's been that fracturing of. Um, you know, taste the mainstream to the point where, uh, you know, the TV shows you like are kind of filled with the kind of music you like. Um, and it, it almost started with, I was talking to this, uh, I was talking about this with my uh, wife today about how like on shows like the OC and house and, mm-hmm. um, there was this real movement where people they were playing like under the radar bands and they took seriously their ability to um break bands into the mainstream Mm -hmm. um and i think that kind of continues on today uh with sort of this indie style of television that's occurring on netflix and uh you know basically everywhere yeah uh, where these shows view themselves as the equivalent of an indie rock band uh, yeah which is just i mean before i don't know before this era of streaming was just uh, there was just nothing that met that definition almost yeah i feel like the first sort of punk tv show family i knew of i'm sure there will be other examples but is uh like the adult swim the early adult swim lineup yeah i mean i, I think slightly you know probably a little earlier than that was um you know mtv's uh, yeah that's true my god i'm not gonna be able to think what was we have Max things like eon Daria flux and, in the, yeah yeah and syphil and ollie um that's true so like maybe god, what was that block of television called uh it's it's shameful that i can't remember it I was um, uh, not allowed to watch it, so I don't right. know. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I guess maybe Ren and Stimpy is really the progenitor of a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, they're that attitude. But you're right. right. Basically, the you know we went from a few people sneaking in their weird ideas onto cable to, uh, to now there's just so many options for distributing your show that um, you can get some, you can get a, a flourishing subculture of uh more thoughtful tv shows um did you know daria originally appeared in beavis and butthead i did know that that's impressive i did not remember that yeah it's a famous threesome episode yeah oh i (laughs) do remember that (laughs) no i did know that she was in the show though uh and that she's a spinoff yeah um wow beavis and butthead amazing (laughs) I, you know, the the thing that put Mike Judge, the premier comedic artist of our times, on the map, if you ask me. True, very true. It's either him or the South Park guys, if you if you count longevity. Uh, did you do you know the name of uh, the band that performs "You're Standing on My Neck," the theme song to Daria? I have no idea. They're called Splendora. <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry, I got lost in Wikipedia there for a second. Like right um, here on the podcast. Yeah, right here nice. on the podcast. I am Wikipediaing. There has to be a podcast that is uh, people doing spontaneous 
Wikipedia deep dives. That at would each other. be an amazing podcast. If there's not, we should start that podcast. We should. We should cancel this podcast and start that one. Uh, we could certainly do an episode where we do band Wikipedia down to the oh, dregs. Wow. But see, that we'd have to be playing the songs that we came across. That's true. You probably want three or four people so that uh, there's not pressure on somebody. There's not as much pressure on each individual to have something good. Wow. This is our podcast planning session live on the air. Yes. Um trying to think if i had another bojack point to make i i still think we have not arrived at the original point you wanted to make but um well yes okay so i i was halfway there okay but here's the thing bojack as um the sort of animated um we should say this is bojack horseman which is on netflix in case we haven't spelled that out for everybody <laughs> Come on, a, all, it, all our fans know that. Three seasons are up. It's a good show. Uh, if you if you like any of these other cartoons we've just mentioned, you should watch this show. Bojack being the animated result of the golden era of television that um, roughly began with The Sopranos, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think um, is perhaps the first show that I could say matches how do I want to say this if if Bojack Horseman were a well-written comedic novel mm-hmm. um, I would get the exact same amount of um, insight and enjoyment out of it as I do the television show and I think it has because it's an animated show and because you're not thinking about the actors as real people but instead of like it's about purely fictional characters. Um, Bojack has this unique novelistic quality to it. Um, and I think the um, the future that that pretends where music is this integral part of a new, extremely complex art form Mm -hmm. Uh, is a really uh, fascinating new place for music to go. Or perhaps, you know, I mean, there's obvious, like, um, I don't know, antecedents for it in, like, you know, opera and and that sort of thing. Or, I mean, there are plenty of movies that that use music well. Yeah, but I, I don't even think, I don't think movies are... I don't know. I I hesitate to give movies even the same heft as like you know a truly great novel. Well, that's perhaps that's, a different debate. But yeah, well, there's a there are certain things that a novel and a TV show can do with their length that a movie can't. But right. and to be able to bring music directly into that, yeah, is new and i think bojack is one of the places where that's explored it's just being explored yeah and almost its infancy that's that's interesting uh i would say despite the fact that not movies are a little more limited in scope uh there are movies that are i find just as artistically satisfying as a brilliant long novel um well, that's totally fair, but I mean yeah. that's sort of like. Um, so, you're, but you, I, I just, I'm just trying to, to say, the rule. 
Well, I'm just saying you're making a uh, a point about that's specific about the form rather than about the level of quality attainable in these genres. Yes. Is more well, I'm and I'm saying that people we're getting to the point where people can start making television shows the way they write novels, which is like mm-hmm. in greater um, uh, producing them in greater number. Yeah. Um, than they have been previously. Yeah, no, that's definitely, that's a, that's a, that's uh, <laughs> one of the great things about TV becoming, uh, getting as many resources as it does now is that um, it allow it gives us an audio visual medium that uh, really has a lot of, um, that can get subtle and, and w- wide in scope and go on for a long time. Totally. Um, now, I still think there's something there's a step further to be made before TV gets all the way there, which is, um, I still don't think you could put like the infinite jest of not that the infinite jest is the greatest novel ever, but using it as a, as a somewhat, you know, off putting in, in a lot of the ways it's constructed novel. I don't think you could put some, a TV show like that up even on Netflix or Hulu Mm. yet. Uh, It has to, even Bojack is a uh, very much tied to its half hour format. Right. Um, and B uh, it's, it's imminently accessible. Like it's obviously it's dark and weird, but um, it, it, it's not totally deconstructing its own, uh, the underpinnings of its own genre, the way that some uh, things like the way that novels and painting and even movies have gotten uh to do in a lot of their you know more out there versions i like that you're suggesting a four hour long episodes of bojack i'm suggesting like a five season long show with no real plot there everything's out of order and it makes no concessions to you enjoying it that's that's when we'll have novel levels of art on tv i would watch that Uh, arguably Eon Flux was actually a lot like that. Um, this prob I don't know how long the total running time of Eon Flux is. It might be like, uh, three hours or something like that. It's not surprising though, that something would show up like in the early days that like really reflects the like possible future, like 20 years later. Exactly. Have you ever seen all of that show? I've not watched the whole thing. No, uh, I but bought the DVDs a while ago when the movie came out, they released, you know, the show all on yeah. DVD. And, uh, those are I love that show. It is really good. I need to watch it again. It's also definitely worth watching with the director's commentary because, you know, they've got like something like a ten or fifteen minute runtime per episode, and they're trying to tell these, you know, uh, philosophical dystopian sci-fi stories in this really brief uh, window of time. And so a lot of times when you're watching it, it just feels like this is just random impressionistic stuff. But then the director's commentary, like they expl- explicate what's happening as like oh wow and it makes all the ideas uh interesting <laughs> a lot more coherent okay so um it's a great show um, this. and that that is what i'm looking for out of one of these new shows that i haven't seen quite yet okay fair enough um paul let's bring it home yeah uh you listen to the the dirty projectors again oh yeah to, um uh <laughs> come to some conclusion about your thoughts about them yeah so as we discussed on our 25th episode um i 
had never been into the Dirty Projectors despite owning two of their albums and feeling like it was something that I should really like. And uh, uh, so I decided to go back last night and listen to it again. And I actually ended up writing two fairly lengthy paragraphs versions of my take. Uh, I'm pumped. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read this. And if it sucks, then you're going to delete it. And then we'll just have a conversation about it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, no, that's not going to (laughs) happen. And the reason I'm, I'm hedging is because I took a very, very satisfying cheap vacation while I was writing this last night. Got it. And I have not read or edited it since. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, this is from my Google Keep. Got real (laughs) stoned and listened. Been very generative, generative, lots of thought, much to parse Ray why this music is bad. The basic problem is that it diametrically opposes the act of grooving. I'm standing there wondering why I can't dig this shit, and I realize that I cannot move my body in any satisfactory way to supplement the sounds I am hearing. The beats are usually garbage. If you try to bob your head or roll your shoulders, you jetter to a mechanical halt exactly one beat later. It's like a robot was raised in the suburbs in the 60s and watched a lot of Lawrence Welk shit with its parents. And when it came of age, someone physically hacked its circuit boards, and now it spits all that shit back out via its fragged music module. And it's all weird, but not in any way more black than it was before. There are many interesting melodic things going on, often several at the same time, but at no point is every single one of them contributing to the same song as the others are. It is weird in the most self-conscious and intentional way, with every one of the clearly delineated musical elements, vocals, clean guitars, trebly drums, intentionally sentimental strings, etc., fussed into some cracked ideal in its own little garden plot, but walls separate each floral sculpture from its neighbors. And when your spiritual guide through all this gaudy carnivalia is a stoned elf tripping his ears off on LSD, along with the exact side pieces you'd expect such an elf to have, you are left to conclude that you are listening to postmodern trash, postmodernism in its worst manifestation. As I said, the lean-to hooks have their charms. But the music somehow sounds more like a mashup than actual DJ compositions by the likes of the avalanches. The arrangements in their clumsiness must be rearranged. The greatest further contribution he could make to music would be to disseminate his source tracks to the DJs of the world so they could add some actual groove and soul to his otherwise exquisite melodies. In fact, I'm certain that if a really good set of remixers tackled it, they could produce some of my favorite beats in the world. And now I remember that I wanted to go back and come up with a better last line for that. But (laughs) anyway. Interesting. uh, (laughs) So let me respond directly to all that. Uh-huh. Uh, two things I pick up. One, you just I I realize you just your real hatred is you don't like um uh you don't like the person uh at the center of the band. That's part um, of it, but you, the I, I think that's uh, you know David uh Longstreth, I think yes. yeah, Longstreth. You don't like him. You don't like he's the mania- He's the tyrant of this band, right? He's a very Billy Corgan like figure. Yeah, he totally controls the band. You and don't like him. His singing is falsetto melismatic bullshit, right? And you know that's you're like one of those people who would like complain to me that Billy Corgan is a bad singer. You know, like I, I, I was just like, well, at the time I'd be mad. Now I'm like, well, you just don't like Billy Corgan singing. That's cool. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have anything to do with like whether Billy Corgan is a good singer or not. 
Um, I I would insist that a lot of the detailed points I've pointed out are also why I don't like this band. But I agree, yeah, that I do not I, like him. And then I would say, well, the other word that like really struck up to me is the clumsiness. Like mm-hmm. to me, that's the essential beautiful part of the the dirty projectors that that you know none of the beats catch. Mm-hmm. You know, none of that. There's never a time when you're jamming to this. You're always <laughs> off kilter. You're yeah. always like, what the fuck is? You're kind of like lost with them. Mm-hmm. And if your desire is to have a band that is grooving, is like locked in the whole time, then like uh, there's probably not a worse band you could listen to <laughs> than the Dirty Projectors because they uh, uh, have ADD. I mean, just the worst <laughs> ADD of any band uh, yes. that you could listen to. Um, and they yes, don't so much so care. that again. None of them are paying attention to the same song at the same time. Like the right. guitar is doing its thing, the drums are doing their thing, the singers are doing one thing, and it, it, it's not even the same song to me. It sounds like most of the time. Right, um, and I, I think I like fucking love that. It's <laughs> awesome. I think that's awesome. Like I think they're like playing these like strange beats that I just don't hear anywhere else. And to me, that makes them like kind of stand out from uh, a lot of the kind of general indie rock that I hear where, uh, you know, the drummer, the rhythm section is kind of um, is leading the way. Yeah. And they do not lead with the rhythm section like for a second. Yeah, which is good because again the beats are garbage and just yeah. I would argue they sound strange because no one else would produce such bad beats. Um right, but you just don't care. You don't like bad. You like you don't have you don't have any appreciation for like uh, bad beats. Bad beats, <laughs> right. Yeah, you're, you know. I mean, it's sort of but it's an interesting thing because like I have the same thing with, you know, like Swans. It's like, uh-huh. well, why would anyone like want to spend 20 minutes listening to this like kind of boring <laughs> single-minded song yeah you know but that's i mean you know you're locked in that whole time because yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they do they have it's a fucking like you know all it's all about this beat you know <laughs> they're not yeah. going off at all on it they they are just you know kind of like yeah they're embellishing and and, and yeah, mutating a little bit but right, not right but it it is very locked in a groove yeah right it's an um, interesting contrast to see yeah that sort of thing where it's like and then you know we kind of get to this point where it's like it's sort of like where you are you know uh, uh you know like Aphex Twin mm-hmm. we get to this point where it's like Aphex Twin is you know like at, at the top of the pantheon yeah and I I don't view him as you know like nearly that high oh really yeah i mean you know where it's like i think he's a very very cool cool amazing competent artist but it's like it's it's interesting to look at that look at like some of the other bands we like he's just one example whoa i actually thought you did like apex twin that no i do like i like apex twin a lot but not not as much as you do oh i no, i i thought you did um that's interesting um so yeah, I mean, you have good points. Obviously, there's to some extent, it's just a matter of taste. Obviously, um, I would say, you know, if you described what I just described without all the uh, insulting negative terminology I used, 
I would think that I would like that um, without hearing it first. Yeah. Um, an example of a band that I feel like is uh, uh, takes a lot of the stuff that um, Dirty Projectors do, but uh, but makes it work in a way that I like is uh, Ava Luna, um, which we've discussed before and played one of their tracks even. Yeah. But, um, so but they're like a totally different band. To well, to me. some extent, my point is they they're, use the elements of like Talking Heads, like yeah, yeah. But the, there's there is a certain off kilterness with like the, I mean the the melodies are often weird, not as weird yeah. as the Dirty Projectors. They they do have a falsetto sort of uh, warbly male singer, and they have a female singer, um, but then they have killer drums and bass mm-hmm. beats going on all the time and that to me really pulls all the other weirdness together um again i really do think that like if uh the avalanches or uh, mad lib or lp tried to just remix some some uh, uh dirty projectors tracks they could be awesome um but uh as it stands um I it just feels very affected and put on and um like like somebody thought sat down and thought through and planned a bunch of music and then didn't really listen to whether it worked at the end. Man, you're not gonna like their new song at all. Ah, <laughs> uh, nice. Because it uses a loop from one of their old songs <laughs> and he like sings through like a pitch lower. Okay. Yeah, it's well crazy shit. <laughs> I like crazy shit. Uh, there's, there's my bona fides as uh, a person who's into just weird shit is are are strong. It's but this guy, it's an interesting nah. thing where Dirty Projectors is one of the very, very few bands that I've gotten into because I saw them live. Mm. Uh, I really am resistant to that. Like, I a lot of times I see a band live and I'm like, oh man, I love this band now, and then I like don't actually like listen to them again and well, dirty projectors i saw i like walked into like a free show of theirs and was like this band is fucking great hmm. and kind of got into their songs of their live show and saw them again live with purity ring and y oak that was a oh, really wow. good show um anyway um that is it's an interesting feature <laughs> of my like my love for uh, the dirty projectors yeah three quarters of the time you hear a band live and say these guys are great you listen to them on on record and it's just boring yeah enjoy. it's a real it's a real problem the ultimate one for me was uh, i saw the velvet teen open for um death cab for cutie and i was, just loved it i bought like two albums in an ep and then i listened to them each once and was like man this is back when i had no money too so it really burned um, Where did you see that. Death Cab? Uh, that was at a, in Oklahoma City when I was nice. in college. Awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Death Cab came out. Uh, I was like, uh, wow. They they actually have four separate ugly roadies for the band. And uh, uh, they're really taking a lot of time to set this stuff up. And then I realized that actually was the band. <laughs> Oh, Death Cab. Well, so I've been thinking about having a whole Death Oh, my God. We're planning the podcast on air once more. <laughs> but I want to have a Death Cab, uh, early Death Cab uh, retrospective, where I have we go on a guided tour through the early Death Cab records. 
Ah, okay. I was going to say uh, that would force me to listen to the post-transatlanticism death cab. But, no, uh, no. We are listening <laughs> to only pre-transatlanticism death cab. Okay. Nice. I'm I'm all for that. Yes. All right. Uh, shall we sign off, Joe? We should. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- oh, my God. I-, I have no idea whether this episode is even coherent. Oh, no. This episode was good. I had a lot of fun. All right. Um, people are going to hate us for that uh, distortion I hastily applied to my awesome version of Hallelujah, um, which is not even the worst thing about that <laughs> awesome version of Hallelujah. But um, look for please- that. Look for that on the latest uh, Dirty Protectors. <laughs> if you want the pure uh, 24-bit, 96 kilohertz uh, sampling rate wave of that track, uh, get at us at Savage Release Pod on Twitter, uh, or you can go to SavageReleasePod.com, our website, and email us at SavageReleasePod at gmail.com. And, uh, of course, if you were to subscribe to us uh, on iTunes and rate us and review us there, um, you could be assured of uh, giving even more people the chance to hear uh, the definitive version of Hallelujah and also Joe's friend Shorty's um, just fire, uh, uh, not diss track, but praise track for his 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 crew. Um, is there a name for that? Like a, a squad mutual love track? There has to be. Oh, there must be. That's a good question. The squad shout. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Good night. Peace.